Good afternoon, everybody. I'm gonna start out a little bit different today. Normally I'll start out with a joke or something, and I wanna get right into this sweet book. It's Discover a Richer Life, Ernest Holmes, one of his last writings. And today we're gonna to be talking about prayer, and I wanted to start out with something important to him along the ideas of prayer. Here's what he said. In order to help ourselves and others through prayer, I believe we have to realize there is nothing separate from God. When we use the word God, we mean the truth, we mean life, we mean the absolute and the infinite. We need spirit. Everything in the universe is God, which is the universe. We're not talking about a mythological God or a theological God, not an old man with whiskers combing his beard, soaking the Baptists and dry cleaning those who don't believe that, or <laughs> revealing himself to the Jews and not to the Gentiles, or somehow serving the Adventists but ignoring the Methodists. There is no such God as the God many people believe in, and we should be very glad of that. What do you think about that? That's kind of a strong statement, isn't it? You know, here we have these lovely symbols honoring all religions on the, on the board. Do you think he was dishonoring some of those religions? I think rather than a dishonoring, it was more of a clarification in his mind. And I think it's very interesting. This is how he starts a whole section in this book on prayer. And he said, the problem isn't prayer. The problem is in our concept of God. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about our, literally, our idea of God. Is it that guy in the sky? Is it the force that will honor some people and ignore other people? See, I don't think so. I think our belief system is real clear here that God truly is everything and available to all. It isn't some chosen few. It isn't a, a certain path that one has to walk. Truly, God and all of God's glory, all of the love, all of the life, all of the joy, available to everyone. And I think that Ernest Holmes stressed this in this chapter about prayer because if we're praying to something less than that, we can expect our prayers to be less than that. So let me use you, let me use a little bit of an example here. If, if, for instance, we have the idea, maybe left over from childhood or some other religious tradition, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this until you start figuring out how prayer works. So let us say we do have that idea of God as the kindly father that sort of sits on the cloud. Well, this is, of course, a creation of ours, right? Kind of a metaphor. We know that God isn't literally a guy sitting on a cloud. But when we have that metaphor running around in our head, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, I'm not sure I want to, God to be like my father. <laughs> right? And, and I mean, God bless my father. He was a great man, but he was a man, Right? And, and, and as much as he loved me, there was often an even, even helping of, of uh, judgment, right? And, and uh, I, I mean, there are all kinds of things that come with being human that don't come with the figure of God itself. And so when we portray God as that, um, that fellow on the cloud, no matter, how, uh, no matter how benevolent we think of it, no matter how maybe even beautiful the relationship we had with our own father, it's like, how does a person like that respond to prayer, right? 
Because my father would have said, well, are you good enough to receive the answer to your prayer? Do you know what I mean? There's a real hazard around painting God as this picture of a sort of a superhuman. Uh, you can't, I know, Sarah's laughing. You probably went to see Iron Man 3 or something, right? Do you ever get the idea that some of these action figures that are in the, the movies these days, that they're sort of portraying God in a way? It's like a human, but bigger, it's like a, a powerful person with extra powers for good in the world. And, but again, again, a superhero still has its limitations. Superman has its kryptonite, you know, whatever. I don't even, I don't even know all the right words anymore because cartoons have evolved from when I had comic books. But what I do know is any of our even most wild attempts at showing a figure of a woman or a man even more powerful, still will have the limits of humanity. And if we are going to truly pray in a way that is meaningful and doesn't have limits to it, then we need to put aside the idea of it being a person that we're praying to, some, some separate thing out on a cloud somewhere. And that's where I want to start today. I want to start with us really getting a bigger picture of God. Because when we pray to something that is unlimited, then we know the power is unlimited. When we pray to something that is capable of healing anything, unlike a doctor, right? Doctors are great. They have their limitations. They have their specialties. But if we're praying to something that has the potential of healing anything, anything, then we have the potential of receiving that healing. So the bigger we make God, the more powerful we make God, the more loving and responsive we make God in our mind, the closer we are to reaching that unimaginable greatness that is the divine. And when we do that, our prayers will have a power that praying to you know, the small God, the, the God with the lowercase g, the, the God with the white beard or the earth mother. And, and believe me, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Sometimes we have to seize on to a metaphor to get a handle of it at all, right? And I think that's a great thing as long as we allow the metaphor to expand into something great, bigger, more powerful, more inclusive, more creative, if you pray to a God that only favors the people that come to a Science of Mind church, not a good thing. If you pray to the kind of God that, uh, that uh, maybe says um, heterosexuals are good and homosexuals are bad, not a good thing. Believe me, when you pray to a God with limits and favoritisms and things like that, sooner or later you're going to end up on the wrong side of the fence. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Linda and I were laughing. She's just back from her, uh, uh, she often takes an, an August sabbatical. And, and good for you. I think that's a great idea. And so we were laughing. I was saying, oh, you missed four Sundays in a row, Linda. What's God going to think about that? Right? Because isn't that a picture often that we've had of God before? That we have to do certain things or behave certain ways to get in God's good graces? That's not God's good graces. That's back to the idea of the, the punishing figurehead, the person. I don't know. Sometimes I think it's like Santa Claus keeping track of whether you're naughty or nice to reward you or not. Well, these are perhaps useful metaphors, but that's not who and what God is. 
The bigger idea our God, the bigger our idea of an inclusive God, the bigger idea of a loving God, a fabulous God, the more, the bigger, the, the vaster we can get God, the bigger our prayers can be, the bigger our sense of success around our prayers as well. Okay, so today we are going to talk about prayer. And I want to ask you, probably you've had a lot of experience over the years yourself praying or hearing other people pray, right? And uh, sometimes the questions will come up and uh, like, well, like started a, a lovely invocation opening prayer. People will say, well, if I pray like that, will God listen better? <laughs> there is no wrong way to pray. But I do want to suggest that praying in different ways may produce different results. And so if our prayer is simply one of celebration, well, pray away. If your prayer is one of maybe uh, thanksgiving, as long as a feeling of gratitude is in your heart, the, the words can be whatever they will, the form, whatever they were. The, these are what I think of as prayers that, that either celebrate or worship or, or show gratitude or, or things like that. And, and, and there's no getting them right or wrong. It's what's in your heart. It's your in, intentions. But I also want to suggest that if you want to do a practical prayer, to get practical results, then you might want to put some structure on it. Let me illustrate with a, another quote from Ernest Holmes, because here's what he's talking about, the power that we have between us and God. Here's what he says. He says, we believe that there is an intelligent principle in the universe which receives the impress of our thoughts as we think them. It acts upon them without question and without argument. It creates for us in our experience the content of our thought with mathematical accuracy. This is the spiritual law of mind and God. And the it's that I had that I was talking about there are capitalized. So, so when he was saying it, he was meaning, oh my gosh, the it, <laughs> God. If this is true, and I believe it's true, it's my experience that what's going on in my head starts showing up on the outside. That, when I have thoughts of love and life and joy and peace, that's going to be my experience. And I've certainly, for many years in the past, experienced the contrary. That when I had thoughts of hopelessness and despair, that that's what was going on in my life then as well. All right. The idea of practical prayer is when we really want to change something. Because sometimes we don't want to just say thank you. Sometimes we don't just want to celebrate our connection with God. Sometimes we'd like a little help. Maybe we have a cousin that's ill and we'd like to participate in praying for that cousin to experience wholeness. Maybe in our own life our primary relationship is a little on the rocky side and we'd like to have more peace and more love in our life. These are areas where I think of prayer as being a practical request that might have a practical answer. How do we do that? Well, science of mind suggests that there is such a thing as an actual practical prayer. And uh, I put in your programs uh, this week a little sample of it and a little write-up of it. And I want to go through it really quickly. It's a five-step affirmative prayer, often also called treatment. And on one side of your insert, there's a sample one for abundance. And on the other side, it simply says how to do it. First of all, for a practical prayer, 
You need to know what your purpose is, right? Because sometimes I hear people praying and I wonder if I were God, and luckily I'm not God, <laughs> I don't have to work on any prayers but my own, thank heavens. <laughs> but sometimes I wonder, well, what are they even praying for? I'll hear something like, oh, you know, dear God, my life has just been miserable lately. Please lift me out of this misery. And I'll think to myself, well, how would I know it when I see it? I mean, misery is kind of a squishy thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what would this person be like, feel like, if they weren't miserable? I don't know. Or sometimes I'll hear someone do a prayer like, uh, what I'd really like is a new job. It would be so nice to finally have a new job. And I'm going, well, okay, but just a new one? Like, a, you know, a different one? There probably is something about the job you have right now that you don't like that's prompting that question. So maybe the new job should have some qualities in it that are important to me. Like, maybe I'd like to feel uh, respected in that new job or that my talents are well used. Maybe I'd like a great benefit uh, package or, or more pay. It's like if we're going to do a practical prayer, then let's have the purpose of it be practical. Let's have it be even measurable. Would I know it when I got it? I've, uh, I've heard people pray for an easy life. And I'm going, hmm, you know, compared to people who maybe live in India, we live a pretty easy life. The, you know, the most, the most troublesome lives that are probably in this room might be considered easier than the lives of, of many people in other parts of the world. So what does an easy life mean for you? So that's the first part of a practical prayer. Once you know what you want to pray for, what you want to experience, the steps are pretty easy here. First, there's recognition. And that's what we did when we first started talking today. We want to recognize that God is that big, unlimited thing that can cure any problem, that can provide any good, that has the infinite power of love, of joy, of peace, that whatever it is, that you could want is already present in God. So we simply acknowledge that. Second, we unify with it. We say, if God has it, it's God's good pleasure to give it to me too. So we unify with that one power and that one presence. We, we say things like, I know that God's abundance is my abundance. Or we say that the limitless peace of the, the vast universe is the peace that I'm experiencing in my life right now. And so is Syria, perhaps. The third piece is where we really put our heart's desire. Here's where, very simply, and in a positive way, we state what we want to experience. So there's no guesswork. It isn't just that you want things to be better or that you want things to be different, but you actually put your recipe for what that would be like. Uh, I now accept in my life a... Hmm, maybe a greater degree of intimacy with my spouse. I recognize that our communication is really excellent right now, that we share our lives together in a way without judgment and filled with love. Do you know what I mean? We really say what it is we want, not just harmony. I mean, harmony could mean different things to different people. In step four, you give thanks for it as though you already have it. You just treat your prayer as a blessing and you say thank you to the divine. And then finally we release it. And oftentimes too, when I listen to other people's prayers, I wonder, well, are they done yet? 
And, and, I don't mean, and I don't mean that they're going on and on, but they just kind of dwindle down. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and for me, it, again, if I was God, and I'm glad I'm not to hear all the billions of prayers going on every minute, but it's kind of like, okay, it's like, is it my turn now? <laughs> so when we do a, a practical prayer, let's be clear, we're done. I release this prayer into God's care. I release these, these ideas, these intentions for a better life. I turn it over to God, and so it is, right? We really, we, we have this sense of it's complete with me now. I've described what I want. I've honored the power of God with some gratitude, and now it's up to God. We turn it over. These are the five steps. Sometimes I get a question well, so if I don't pray in this certain way, God somehow doesn't hear me or uh, is going to overlook me. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. But what I do know is when we pray and we spend more of our time talking about the negative part of our life, what does God have to go on? When we spend the bulk of our prayer criticizing the current job or the current relationship or, or whatever, you know, whatever yuckiness is going on in your life, if that's where 90% of the verbiage and the, the intense feelings are for a prayer, that's what God has to reflect back to you. The more that we can be positive, and that's why I think these steps were created this way, because it allows you a systematic way of setting up the thoughts in your mind so that they will be powerful, so that they will be positive, so that you'll be grateful for them, and so that you can easily turn them over to a power that's greater than you. I think the steps are perfect for doing that kind of a practical prayer. Give it a try. In your, uh, um, in your uh, handout, it would also be, I think, my suggested homework for the week. So those of you who were here last week, remember that I asked you to think about a situation in your life that maybe isn't going completely the way you would like it to go. Maybe you want to experience more love in your life, or maybe you want to experience a, a, a better career, or you know, whatever it is you'd like to be enhanced or different. I'd like you, if you will, to take advantage of this little handout and see if you can write yourself a treatment. It'll be very practical. There's something that you want to experience that's different, and here's a little mechanism for setting that free into the power of that divine principle of God as law to bring it to you. I think there's only one thing that can stand in the way of this working, and uh, I'm going to illustrate it, of course, with a joke. <laughs> so Sam shows up at a revival meeting seeking help. I need you to pray for my hearing, he tells the preacher. The preacher puts his hands over Sam's ears and prays and prays and prays. And since it's a revival, there's some speaking in tongues. The preacher falls to his knees and sings hosannas. He stands up and shakes a little bit and does some more prayer. After a bit, you can see the preacher's sweating pretty good. He's doing a great job. A little more prayer. Finally, he staggers back a little bit with a, just a feeling of satisfaction on his, on his face. He knows that the prayer indeed has worked. And so he turns to Sam and he says, how's your hearing now? Well, I don't know, says Sam. I don't go to court until next Tuesday. <laughs>
Now, <laughs> some of you are just shaking your heads. <laughs> Believe it or not, though, this joke actually has a purpose here. We really need to be clear about what we want. If we wish God to respond in a practical way, we need to have some practicalness in what we're asking for. And the way I do this, and the way you can do it, when you've written yours out, when you've written out your sample prayer for whatever it is that your heart just calls for you to have be different or enhanced or better, is ask yourself these three questions. First of all, is your prayer practical? And by that I mean, will you know when it's done? Is it measurable? You know, is it phrased in a way that you can go, oh my gosh, the prayer came true? Or do, do you know what I mean? So, so think of it as a practical prayer. And the second one is, is it positive? So practical and then positive. Are you stating what you want very clearly and, and as positive as you can? Not that you don't want to experience, you know, some pain, but that you do want freedom of movement. Not that you don't want your old job, but, but knowing that your employment is rich and profitable and good. So think about always, you know, what, what may bring it to your awareness of something negative. That's okay. But the prayer itself, let us make it heartfelt and positive around what we do want to experience or we do want to have. So practical, positive, and then the last one is possible. Does your mom ever sit on your shoulder the way mom, my mom sits on mine sometimes? <laughs> Let me explain. My mom was raised in the Great Depression. And so even though she was never hungry a day in her life, even though actually she accumulated a good deal of material wealth in, in, in her life, it was interesting to go shopping with her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like fistfuls of coupons and, well, maybe we should get a dozen cans of that just in case. <laughs> and there was always this little feeling that no matter how good things were today, maybe tomorrow, not so much. Well, sometimes when I pray, my mom's still sitting right there. And I'll say something like, the abundance of the universe is mine. I'm content and filled with good. And my mom will say, <laughs> She'll say, yeah, today, today. So when I say that a prayer needs to be possible, you need to be able to speak it with some authority as though it were already yours, as though you recognize it's possible for you. If not, if those little voices are kind of undoing your prayer, and I guess that's the way I think of it. And of course, God bless my mom. She's not sitting on my shoulder. It's my own crazy negative thinking, right? Of course it is. But what I would ask you is if you're having negative thoughts about your prayers, it's like planting the seed and then immediately digging it up. And so when you're in that position, we need to work with those voices. We need to make the prayers possible. We need to be able to accept what it is we want to experience in our life right now. I was doing some treatment with, a, uh, with someone a couple years ago, and she was writing a book. That was her intention. And, uh, and, and she made really some good progress. And then she kind of, about halfway through writing her book, she stopped. And I said, well, you know, what's going on here? And she said, well, I'm just, you know, it's kind of writer's block. And, but I could kind of see, like, she couldn't answer, really, 
what was going on. And so we did a prayer, and I did, well, I think, I did a lovely prayer. (laughs) But I looked at her face, and it's like, oh, it must not have been a lovely prayer. And I said, what's up with that? Um, You know, I can see that this prayer actually produced dissatisfaction on you. And she said, it just reminded me that I'm probably never going to be a good author. It was one of those little voices sitting on her shoulder. Maybe somewhere along the way, a teacher or a, or a grandparent or a friend had said, you're never going to amount to much, or you can't write very well, or you really need some work in your writing. And that little voice was still in her head. We need to deal with those. Our prayers need to be possible. If we have to stop the inner chatter and make it more positive, we need to do what we can do to do that. Boy, that was a lot of do's in that sentence. (laughs) So let me just go over those three things again. As you're writing down your prayer, when you're finished with it and getting ready to release it for God's help, ask these three questions. Is it practical? Is it positive? And is it possible? If the answer to those is yes, you have a dynamite prayer. You can absolutely expect it to be answered in the most lavish way. It is my belief and my promise to you that God answers our prayers always. And we have and when we have a practical desire and we phrase our prayer in a practical way, they are answered just as fulsomely, just as powerfully. So I'm going to close today with one final quote from Ernest Holmes, and then I'll do a prayer. I'll illustrate, if you will, the five-step treatment. Here is the way that Ernest Holmes closes out this section on prayer. He says, because the universe is one of law and order, there is an exact, a mathematical, a mechanical, an irresistible, an irrevocable, and an immutable immutable reaction to our thoughts. It is done unto you, and unto you, and unto you, and unto you, as you believe. Let us keep persistent in our minds that it is our desire, both individually and collectively, that everything we touch shall be healed, that every person that we meet shall be made glad, that every situation properly revitalized be made whole. Let us pray. There is one joy, there is one life. There is one goodness. And that thing, I choose to call it God, but I know it goes by a variety of names. The, the goddess, the, it goes by the name of Allah. It goes by the name of, uh, of just sweet surrender or peace. And this thing that I call God is everything. I open my mind to embrace it as the largest possible container of all good. It is all the love, all the life, all the joy, all the peace. It is robust good health and wholeness. It is the perfection of all things. This is my God, favoring everybody equally, listening intently, always, always ready to respond. This is the God that I pray to. And I know it also means me. I know that I... I inherit the powers that are in God for peace, for love, for joy. And I state my claim on this day for a greater life, for myself, for the people in this room. I recognize that our prayers are simply always answered 
And so for the folks in this room, including myself, each day as my prayers become plainer and more practical, as my life is fulfilled through these prayers, I simply see greater love, greater joy, greater peace, greater life, a greater wholeness to my mind, my body, and my spirit. This is God. This is prayer. This is life. And so it is with great gratitude that I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. God saying yes to prayer always. I let it be. And so it is. is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here.